Hello you lovely lot and welcome back to the Independent Spouse podcast series. It is so lovely that you're listening. I had some great feedback on last week's episode and today is another good one. Today I am joined by my lovely pal Rosie who is better known as Dr. Rosanna Gilderthorpe. We are discussing all things mental health, both parents and for those living all by themselves during this COVID time. It's another great episode and you will get an awful lot from it. But first, I must say another massive thank you to the Royal British Legion who sponsor this whole series. The Royal British Legion is about more than just poppies. They are here 365 days a year to support us and our families. Whether it's helping to ease the transition into civilian life with finance employment advice from their teams of experts, or if it's helping us get our business off the ground, they have our backs. So visit their website, www.britishlegion.org.uk for more information. And now on to the podcast with my lovely pal, Dr. Rosie. Hello Rosie, how are you? I am very well, thank you. Thank you for having me today. Oh, that's all right. I'm really excited to talk to you. I've been wanting to talk to somebody about a lot of what we're going to talk about for such a long time. Um, And I'm really glad it's you. First up though, I have to ask you, how are you coping with this whole pandemic craziness that we find ourselves in? Well, I guess there's two sides to that story really. So on the business front, quite well, lots of exciting projects and Um, interesting things that have sprung up as opportunities really as a result of the pandemic so although it's been very hard business-wise and I've had to pivot and change my business model a lot I'm actually quite excited about where that's going personally of course um, I have a three-year-old and a two-year-old and my husband's been away for this whole thing (laughs) and he's not coming back anytime soon so it's been really really tough personally and I think it's very important and if there's one thing I could pass on to everybody listening to this is that it doesn't matter what a go-getter you are how strong you are how resilient you are this is a shit time yep this is a very very difficult time and you need to acknowledge that that you are working through one of the most difficult stressful situations that we have faced as a nation and anything you do is blooming amazing and you should be proud of no, you're right. I think, gosh, sometimes I think and look at people and I think, how on earth are we getting out of bed in the morning? Because it's, it, it, it's mind-boggling, the, the stuff that we are, I mean, unprecedented. They keep saying unprecedented on the news. We have a drinking game in our house where if they say unprecedented, we drink. But, oh, my God, there's no better word for it because it's just like a, I mean, we all know we can't explain it. And you are right. We need to give it, each other and everybody else a good firm pat on the back just the fact that we got up and got dressed and, you know, smiled maybe today because it is tough. So you have had a bit of a rubbish lockdown. Um, like a lot of people, I think it's, it's gone a little bit unnoticed, the fact that all of us are in this crazy lockdown pandemic. There's, there's people still going through deployments and military life goes on. And gosh, so many people who have been so lonely, I can't imagine what it is like. And um, yeah, fair play, Rosie. But you're here and you are smiling. I can see you're smiling. So it's all good. We first met way back, I think it was 2014. We were posted in the same military base. We did that annoying thing that military spouses do where we just assumed neither of us worked and we did small talk. And then we got to know each other. It turns out you are completely amazing. So it's brilliant that I've got to talk to you today. 
So could you do a little introduction as to who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I'm Rosie, or my full name is Dr. Rosie Gildethorpe, if you want to look me up. Um, So I'm a clinical psychologist, and about three years ago, after being inspired by you, I set up my own private practice, um, which is all about helping parents uh, who are struggling with their mental health. So my focus was on helping women who are preparing for birth. And because pregnancy was something I found extremely difficult, um, possibly because of some of the military stresses and strains. Um, But I think also just because it's a challenging time in life for anybody. Um, So that was the focus of my practice. Then over the years, I kind of broadened out a bit and started helping people with other challenges that come up in parenthood. So whether that's postnatal depression, anxiety, um, post-traumatic stress, whether that's after birth or anything else, and just dealing with, you know, the fact that life often doesn't look how we want it to look. And that can be really, really difficult uh, for parents, but for anybody. So my practice kind of got broader um, as the years went on. And I also offer hypnobirthing classes with that. So it wasn't just psychological therapy from the beginning. It was also kind of education workshops um, hypnobirthing and I do a bit of writing as well so I always had a blog going occasionally released ebooks that kind of thing Um, but it was very much a business that was focused on helping parents who are struggling with their mental health but things have changed a little bit for me I started in January a project um, for helping other psychologists and therapists who have really good ideas but don't know how to do anything outside of the therapy room, how to like make it a reality. So these are people that have got dreams about writing books and running workshops, creating online courses, anything that would have a bigger impact than we can have one-on-one in the therapy room. And I'm really passionate about that because there are an awful lot of people who either wouldn't come for therapy because there's a lot of stigma around it, are not at the point where they need therapy, but are just not feeling like life is how they want it to look. And those people might never need therapy if we could intervene earlier and do something about it. And of course, there's a lot of us that feel quite strongly that there are certain skills if we learn in childhood, we would never end up needing therapy or any kind of treatment for mental health difficulties. So because of all of that, I tentatively set up a group for other psychologists and therapists on Facebook and it turned out there were a lot of people wanting a lot of support with a lot of amazing ideas Uh, so from that sprang my podcast the business of psychology and a membership that I now have um, called the do more than therapy membership and all of that is going really well and I said I started it in January and it probably would have stayed as a bit of a side project voluntary thing maybe that I did in my spare time But then lockdown happened in March and I had to stop all of my therapy work, all of my support for parents because I didn't have any childcare. And anyone who's used therapy services or anyone listening to this who is a therapist knows that if you don't have your needs taken care of, if you don't have security, you don't have childcare, but all those other things, you can't offer psychological support in that way. So as an ethical practitioner, I couldn't try and fit it in around the kids' sleeping schedules or or whatever, which went haywire anyway. I just had to say, absolutely not. Until this lockdown lifts, I can't do anything. And that turned out to be three months. So during that time, 
as you know from knowing me, I my brain needs something to do and I'm not very good at sort of sitting still and resting, particularly not when I'm anxious and it was an anxious moment. So I needed to fill up my evenings and I did that by building up the Do More Than Therapy community and yeah, just got really excited about that. So now my business is 50-50. I spend half my time on Do More Than Therapy membership and half my time serving my wonderful parents who I absolutely love taking care of. I find it really interesting that we were talking just before and how you are focusing on parents, of course, which I think is really interesting. We spoke to Georgie from Chasing Lobsters all about COVID-19 just as we went into lockdown. But I think what you're doing with your hypnobirthing and your work around uh, postnatal depression and parents and new babies is a really interesting niche to go down. And you talked earlier about military families and how you focus on military families. What is it about this community and, and the parents in that that need that extra bit of support? Well, to be honest, it's the lack of connection with the rest of your life. So when we're looking at mental health, it's really important that we don't think that it's just about what goes on in our head because it's not, it's about a whole range of things, a whole package. And a big part of that package is connection with other people and meaningful activity in your life. And a lot of the stuff that we lose every time we move or when we face a big life change, like a partner going on deployment where our childcare changes and our support network changes, it's the connection and it's the meaningful activity. The number of people that I've met where they've got married, got pregnant and given up everything overnight. And suddenly life looks entirely different and they almost can't find themselves within that. I think it's a story I've heard so many times. um, And that is the reason that we struggle more with our mental health. On top of that, you've got the fact that if you do reach out for help, and you get posted in the middle of that referral process, you just get nowhere. So we're also receiving less high quality healthcare, whether that's your maternity care, your antenatal appointments and all of that, or whether it is mental healthcare um, in the perinatal period, we don't get a very good deal because we end up changing um, practitioners, we're not well known in our areas, and it doesn't go so well for us, so that really doesn't help. I also think that there's more stigma in our community around reaching out for that support than there is in the general population. And I say that from, you know, 11 years of experience, probably 12 now, because I'm older than I think I am, um, (laughs) working in mental health. I think military spouses um, specifically, we tend to be really proud of being really strong and resilient and that, you know, we don't need the civilian population because we've got each other. And I don't think that's the reality remotely. I think, you know, firstly, very, very strong people are usually really good at owning their vulnerability because that's the way to be truly strong is to know what you find difficult and deal with it rather than just stuffing it away somewhere, which is what we mostly tend to do if we're trying to just stiff up a lip through things. And secondly, I don't think the community is as easy to access as it used to be. There are a couple of reasons. COVID-19 being the most glaring one. Like if you're posted now, it's how are you going to meet new people? How are you going to develop true rapport with the people that live in your neighborhood when you can't you can't see them physically? That's really difficult. But also in general, a lot of us, uh, a lot of military spouses now need to work for a whole variety of reasons. And as soon as you are doing that, you can't 
go to coffee mornings you can't go to any of the activities that way back when used to be organized for families to meet each other so i think it's very very difficult now for military spouses to actually develop that strong support network that we used to be so proud of i want to pick up when you're talking about the resilience the resilience words and how resilient we are i used to write loads of blogs i wrote i wrote a blog recently about how i'm i'm disowning the word resilient and how I think it's a really bad word that keeps getting thrown around because I think it's time to realize that by by saying to a military spouse gosh they're so resilient and they're so adaptable and they say this and they say that it means that when I need help or when things aren't going right I kind of expect myself to go to brush it off and to be okay with it when actually global pandemic aside this is a really tough life and brushing under the carpet my problems and my issues that I might have um, is, is just, it's annoying me now. And I think you're right. We need to, we need to get rid of that. And also I'm finding that the, the stigma around the word, like, so PTSD is a thing that we talked about earlier and how that's been, that's been owned by the military community in such a different way and how we're not really recognizing that as, as something that could happen to everybody and the stereotypes around that. Do you think because we are living in this world where we just have to buck up our ideas as military wives or spouses or partners that we're not reaching out? And do you think that's kind of settling how that might reflect on our serving partner? Yeah, actually, I think I have definitely heard rumors about people being seen to have a troublesome spouse or a spouse that makes difficulties. And I'm, I'm kind of laughing, but it's actually really, it's really bad, isn't it? That we worry about that and that probably that's true. Can't say I've not been a fly on the wall, but it probably is true. And I think it is probably because of a fundamental misunderstanding of what resilience really is. Because I think you're right, the way that people describe resilience, it's almost like a label that you have to act up to all of the time, you know? If somebody says, oh, she's so resilient, she's so strong, then they'd probably be quite surprised to find you crying. However, true resilience comes from understanding that there are going to be bad days and that you're going to feel bad sometimes, but that there are things that you can do to keep your life moving in the direction that you want to go in and being courageous enough to feel the difficult feelings and do what you want to do with your life. And that is kind of the opposite, really, of just kind of bucking up your ideas or pretending basically to be okay with something that you're not. And I think really if if anybody questions to me why we need to stop telling people to be strong and be resilient all the time, then you just need to look at the divorce rate. You know, I don't want to be a a nasty, cynical person that puts the um, elephant in the room, but there's a really high divorce rate in military families. Why is that? Possibly because people get burnt out with being told that they need to be super resilient all the time. And you're you're so right. We need to own we need to own it for ourselves and own the fact that it's okay to feel crummy sometimes. It's unavoidable. It's the human condition. Yeah, you're right. Gosh, Rosie, you nailed it again. I love that. Yeah, and and, and we need to recognise it and we need to talk about it because it is so important. I find myself in this military world, in new posting, not having those coffee mornings, gosh, not really having anybody to talk to. And I I find myself surrounded by people, mostly new mums, women with children that aren't getting out there and aren't getting around. And it seems so tough. I've had postings before where I've had some lovely friends who've just had babies 
and they've come knocking at my door in floods of tears because they just can't work it out. And um, I think, gosh, to come to me at that time, who's somebody that, you know, has no experience with children, it must be really tough. So what would you say to somebody who has a new baby that's struggling or maybe they've had a a bad birth experience um, and they just can't see their way through? The first thing is to make some genuine connection. So there's a lot that you can do to enhance your mental health at that time. And I've written tons of blogs and lots of like recorded materials and, and stuff that you can get for free on my website that will help you with the like mindfulness, relaxation, activating your soothing system, all of that stuff. But actually, the most powerful thing that you can do is have a genuine talk with another human being who cares about you because the way that our minds work is they're very very basic you've got am i safe or am i not safe if you don't feel safe your fight or flight system is activated and when that's activated everything feels very very difficult when you're dealing with a baby we get overwhelmed really easy because this is a part of our brain which is only really designed for fighting off tigers or running away you can't run away from your baby and you probably shouldn't fight with it either Um, so that part of your brain doesn't know what to do and just finds the whole world incredibly overwhelming on top of that it gives you symptoms like being unable to sleep, feeling really agitated, really on edge all the time. And it, it might even send you depression because it wants you to stay safe and not like not run the risk of a predator seeing you. So it tries to keep you really safe and small in your house and makes it really hard for you to even imagine going outside. And um, these are all things the brain does because it thinks that you're not safe. So we need to show it that it it is safe. And to do that, we have to activate a different part of the brain, which I call the soothing system. In compassion-focused therapy, we call it the soothing system. You could also call it the parasympathetic nervous system (laughs) if you wanted to. Um, But it's, it's part of the brain that does resting and digesting and connecting with other people. So the best thing you can do, the number one way to communicate that you're safe it's just get another person to be kind to you. <laughs> it has, it's as simple as that, which is why, Jess, you're probably the perfect person, exactly who people need. Because just offering a cup of tea, no advice, no advice. Advice isn't what anyone wants or needs because the threat system is really prone to feeling judged. The threat system is looking for, am I at the bottom of the pile in this pack of animals? And am I going to be ostracized anytime soon? So advice will always be heard as judgment when somebody is in that threat mode. So what you need really is just somebody to listen to you, be kind towards you, smile at you, um, provide you with some basics like food (laughs) Um, and all of that stuff communicates safety to the brain. Then you'll get a bit of headspace and then you can work on all the rest of the stuff that's going to help you. But if you don't have that feeling of being supported, none of the other stuff's going to make much difference. And what a fantastic thing to consider if we've maybe moved on to a new patch or we've got new neighbours or we see somebody across. So I, so I have lots of neighbours here, like I said, with small children. It's just to see somebody struggling with their child, just to go up and go, hi, you're right, fancy cup of tea. They may not give you their life story, but just to have that initial sort of first steps and comforting step, I think is really important. And, and especially in this community where we have this weird Insta friend thing where you meet somebody for 10 minutes and then you could be friends for life. I think it's really important to do that. Yeah, I think just to mention that in, in this time, it's so much more difficult than it used to be because there are lots of reasons that people might need to shield and not have 
face-to-face contact I know you know for me at the moment I can't see anybody because my kids have got a cough and a bloody temperature it's probably not COVID but we can't get a test so (laughs) hopefully by the time this airs that won't be a thing anymore but at the moment there are no tests so that means we have to isolate which makes this really difficult so I've been looking from a personal and a professional standpoint like how can we connect with people in a genuine way because it does it needs to be beyond the superficial it needs to be like they really care that you're getting that feeling of being cared for how can we get that when we can't face to face with each other when we can't have like tea and cake together and I think zoom actually it works it does work if you've got the right person on the other end so I really love what you've been doing with the Millstone meetups because I do think that can really work because we're all getting a lot better with technology. When I started offering therapy online, the majority of people found it clunky. It was quite hard to get that rapport going. That's not true anymore. My practice is now exclusively online and I can't remember the last time that I had that problem. So I honestly, I think that we're so used to connecting via Zoom that we can do it that way. There are things that you can do to make sure that it is a, a genuine connection and that's leaving enough space for the other person to talk. So not what I'm doing to you right now. I'm not doing this. Um, <laughs> but, um, but if you, you know, say you're worried about somebody or you can just see that they're looking a bit lonely, maybe they've described a situation similar to mine, um, <laughs> then just asking some open questions and leaving lots of time for them to respond and just showing that you're listening, like just showing kind of making the right noises, nodding, using your gestures, using your facial expression to just really embody that caring and compassion. You can get it over Zoom. I really believe that you can. And you're right about stopping and listening because we, we, we sometimes fall into this weird competitive who's got the worst life thing, which nobody wants to win that. I tell you, it's a very strange thing to be competing against. And I think just just letting people talk and telling you what they need to tell you, it'll come back in tenfold because when you need them to do the same, they will be there for you. I think it's, I think you're right. I mean, Zoom is not perfect, but currently something is now better than perfect. And it is, it's a good solution. And we've had some, some actually some brilliant times at the Millsbury meetups. It was really frightening to start with. And then it got really good and really good fun. And then I moved and then I needed the support from the people because it was a shocking time. Posting was always a very painful, stressful moment for me. Um, but to know that I could just log on on a Wednesday looking horrendous and to see my friends and we could just chat about, gosh, nonsense, really. And these were people who four months ago I'd never even spoken to. It just really made a difference. So you have this with your community. You're doing your Do More Than Therapy movement, which sounds fantastic and perfect for military life. Well, I think that is why it took off, really, because it was something that I needed. I created it because I had this real craving to run my ideas past other psychologists and therapists it was as simple as that really I kept thinking of things I wanted to do and then doubting myself and not feeling confident enough to push them forward and I was like actually just knowing that some other people in my profession thought that was a good idea would really help so that was kind of where the idea came from it was a selfish kind of need for connection because although I I've managed when I moved down here to connect with some other military business owners through Millspo and I, I managed to make a couple of friends on my patch and things. What I was really lacking were friends that, you know, like you'd find in the office. 
when you work on your own in your own sort of I, I got an office of my own in the end which I've now had to get rid of again but predominantly it's a magnolia wall kind of a business um, you don't you don't have any interaction with people that understand what you're doing and um, and that got really difficult for me so I was kind of meeting my own need with that and then it's kind of snowballed as I've learned more about what other people need and realized that actually having set up my private practice in two different locations from scratch with no connections in those areas I'd actually learned quite a lot that I could use to help them yeah so that's kind of how that side of the business developed and you're right it works really well for military life and um yeah, I wanted to reiterate today some advice that Jess gave me <laughs> back in like a long, long time ago. She said, don't design a business that doesn't work for your life. <laughs> and I think that was because you realized that that's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> because therapy and hypnobirthing, initially I set those up face to face in London where we were both posted at the time. And that was because that's what I loved and that's what I loved to do. But that didn't work when about what was less than a year later I ended up getting posted and um, was like oh rubbish <laughs> but then I made the same mistake again so I then decided when I moved down here that it was going to be an online practice and I was like online that means that it can go wherever I go and sure it does but therapy is amazing and rewarding and it's my favorite work that I could ever possibly do but it is really really emotional and you can only take it on when you're stable. And there's not a lot about my life that is that stable. So I have to be really boundary to make sure that each one of my clients gets the best of me. I don't have that many clients anymore, um, which means that if that was the only thing my business did, it wouldn't pay the bills. Because in order to see enough people to pay the bills, I'd have to compromise on my professional and ethical standards, which I won't do. <laughs> so, um, so I had to develop something else to run alongside it. And for a long time, that was hypnobirthing and that was, you know, eBooks and, and stuff like that. And, and that works. But Do More Than Therapy is a much more scalable business. If you're looking for something that can grow then a membership is a really great business model to consider. And especially if you know that there's a real need for community with the people that you help, then thinking about doing something like that where you can help lots of people at once, not only is very rewarding to me because it is a way of creating a lot more impact than I could have um, with a service-based business model, it is also just kind of could create the kind of financial freedom and time freedom that a lot of us need when we're juggling small people who need picking up from various places, have to take sick days, which mean that you don't have any childcare. Um, all of those issues, which I'm sure there's lots of people listening to this, you don't need me to list them because they're living them. And it's it's interesting what you said about how how you started off doing something that you really loved that didn't quite fit in military life. And I think that is how it works. You we, we love something, which is probably what we did before we married our partners. And then we try it again. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I think you have to go through the process of sort of tripping over the things you love and working it out to realize that actually there's something else in it that's still kind of the same that you can still love that is just squidges around this crazy military world that we find ourselves in. And I think that's what you've done. 
you've sort of nailed it there with the with the membership and that kind of concept. It's what I'm doing. So I do my design work and then I do the mill space stuff because it's it's really fiddly to get design clients to follow you all across the country. But you can you can change it and, and make it evolve into something new. So the Do More Than Therapy movement, what does that entail? And is that for everybody? So Do More Than Therapy is for psychologists and therapists who basically feel fed up with the way that mental health is treated um, in our society. So most mental health professionals, if you get them down the pub, they will tell you that mental health diagnoses are not really a thing. (laughs) Once you've listened to enough people's life stories, you kind of stop believing that some people have mental illness and that other people are mentally healthy. It just does not work like that. We all have mental health. Sometimes it is good, sometimes it is bad, and we all need to work on it every day, just like we do our physical health. And the fact is our system is not set up that way. Our system is set up, particularly in the NHS, where we can only treat people in the NHS once they've reached a point of what I would call crisis. It has to be really bad. You have to be feeling so bad that your life is significantly impacted before you're gonna get any help. And that help may be therapy, Most often people are also prescribed medication or unfortunately my experience is people are often still prescribed medication as the first line. And that's just messed up because most likely, like I was saying about postnatal depression, your cognition, you are a very small part of the problem. It's very likely that there's a lot in your environment which is causing you to struggle with your mental health. And actually what most people need is intervention in the world rather than just intervention in their head. So I am hugely into mindfulness, compassion, all this stuff that we can do to enhance our mental health and deal with the stuff in our head. I love it. But it's one-tenth, if you ask me, of, of what mental health is. 90% of your mental health is what's going on around you. It's your relationships. It's your identity. It's what prospects you have in your life. It's the security you have. It's the social support that you have. Research has shown us that time and time again. And yet, mental health services are entirely focused on this 10% of the what goes on in your head because a lot of us don't think that that is correct a lot of us have got ideas for stuff that we want to put out into the world to start addressing that you know we've got ideas for podcasts we've got ideas for online courses we've got ideas for like well-being workshops workplace interventions interventions in schools but it's really hard to get those things off the ground because they're a little bit against the grain and so when you start doing it you start to feel a bit vulnerable and it's all a bit scary. We're not trained, any of us, in business skills or writing a business plan or marketing. So there's loads of reasons that we tend to give up <laughs> on those ideas. And Do More Than Therapy is a membership which provides expert masterclasses. I get really cool, impressive people in to talk to us about how to do all of those things that we don't know how to do, frankly. Um, and I also share a bit of what I've learned along the way of, of doing those things. And it's a wonderful community as well as a learning platform. And I'm just loving leading it, to be honest. Oh, I love that. I mean, if only there was one for military spouse businesses that somebody could learn. <laughs> Honestly, it's so similar to the, the line that I've been 
yeah, trying to do for years, but you're right. It's just the, it's the not knowing how to start, not knowing where to go. But I love that you're a community leader and you're so passionate about it because that's what's so important and it's brilliant. And I will be having a nose, even though you won't let me in, but I can have a little nose. I'm definitely going to look more at your website. I think it's really, I think if anybody's listening to this that does, doesn't have children, maybe go and check out your website anyway, because the sounds like the blogs that you've got in there are relevant and interesting to people. So I'm going to go and I'm going to go and read all those blogs because uh, I think what you said is so wise, which is good because you are trained to this stuff. But I think that we can all take an awful lot from this. I also definitely want to say um, that if you are listening to this and you don't have children and you feel a bit scared about how to support somebody who maybe tells you that they're struggling in the early days of newborn or during pregnancy, just there's nothing complicated about it. A lot of people say to me they want to be kind, but they don't know how to be kind. But it's just that stuff we were talking about. It's the genuine listening, giving space. No one wants advice anyway. So thank God you're not going to give that. (laughs) And just kind of letting them be who they are. And yeah, giving a biscuit if you're face to face is, is really helpful. But genuinely, it's no more complicated than that. But it's very rare to find that. So one of the reasons people really struggle in pregnancy and the postnatal period is that the whole world has an opinion. Everybody wants to tell you what their pregnancy was like. Everyone wants to do one-upmanship with, well, my child never slept. And and it's because it activates this part of our brain that is all about where am I in the hierarchy and trying to, you know, make sure that we're important in our pack and we're not going to be ostracized. And honestly, because you don't have children, you're really well-placed to just sit outside of all of that. And yeah, I just want you all to know how powerful and useful you are. <laughs> and also the talk to the people with no children, because, oh, it's so lonely in this community when you don't have any, I call them little human shields, which I'm not sure is appropriate. Um, <laughs> but I, it's just, I just, sometimes, yeah, we're a little bit on the outskirts. So come and take advantage of the people with no children. We'd love to help because we are just as lonely and we are just struggling just as much. So please, yeah, come and say hi. Rosie. Dr. Rosie. I'm going to call you Dr. Oh. Rosie. Um, I love talking to you so much. Every time I speak to you, you have something profound to say. I'm fuming that when we first met, I didn't think to ask you what you did. Uh, we've all got to stop doing that because that's just nonsense. We are far more impressive and exciting than our serving partners. Start <laughs> talking about that. I very much agree. <laughs> if I want to find out more about you or read your blogs or check out your movement, where can I find you? Yeah, so at the moment, everything is hosted at drrosie.co.uk. Um, so you can just click through for either the parent site or the psychologist site, straight from there. Nice and easy. Easy peasy. Yes, we'll all be doing that. Thank you so much for spending time talking to me today. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, Rosie, isn't she fab? She completely rocked that interview. Um, Sorry about my audio bit dodgy at points but sometimes you just got to get this information out there and I think one of the biggest business lessons that I learned is that just getting stuff done and out there is so much better than making it perfect so I hope you appreciate that you still got the information out of it and even though it was a little bit dodgy at the end so that's it from me today I hope you're all keeping well and I will be back next week with another inspirational episode so I shall see you then Thank you.